0: Heavenly Father, this morning, would you give us just a glimpse of your glory that we might come to know and understand your power and your love for us here. And so let your word come alive in our hearts and in our minds that we would come to know you, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I grew up in Michigan, outside Detroit, and we lived right off 8 Mile Road. It was a better part of 8 Mile Road than probably a lot of you are thinking. Right now, it was more of the suburbs of Detroit. But I was, like, liked saying I lived off 8 Mile Road, especially when I was talking to high school kids, because then I appeared a lot tougher than I really am. Like, wow, you grew up off 8 Mile Road. Oh, I heard that's a really tough street. Yeah, it is a tough street. And the thing is, when you're a kid, um, you live where your parents live. You don't really have a choice in the matter. They don't ask you where you want to live. You just live with your parents. And so I didn't have uh, a choice, but when you get older, all of a sudden you have a choice on, on where you want to live and where you want to go. And it was three and a half uh, years ago that you extended a call to me uh, to come and serve as your pastor. And so we wrestled as a family. And, and there are a couple of things that are really important to us that we weigh. Um, number one is, what kind of church community is there? And that's not just because I, I work here. It's like, no, we want to be a part of a church community that is passionate uh, about Jesus, And so I don't want to be a part of anything. And I know that sounds weird to some of you, but there are some people that I have known that have not taken promotions because they didn't want to leave their church community. And that's the power of that kind of community. When you find a place like, I don't want to leave this place. I love where God has called me to be. And so that was like number one in our mind. What kind of church is St. John? And so we answered that question. The second thing you look at then is, what kind of community is, is Mansfield? And quickly, I was impressed. I'm like, man, look at Big League, look at the softball park they got over there. That's incredible. They got their own water park over there. They've got a mayor who's a follower of Jesus. And as I've gotten to know him, every single month, uh, pastors get an opportunity to meet with the mayor uh, over breakfast. And we pray and hear about what's going on in the city. I love that kind of access uh, to the mayor. We've got a school superintendent that is passionate about Jesus as well. My wife and I had a date night over at the Performing Arts Center when they brought in David Crowder. And I'm thinking, man, what kind of school district is this? You're bringing in Christian artists to be a part, like, we love this, it's a great place to live. It's, it's no wonder that Mansfield is often on the list of the best places to live. I mean, who wouldn't want to live here? I guess if you don't like heat, this is probably not a good place to live. If you don't like that, well, then you can go up north and live in Michigan with a whole bunch of crazy people who like cold weather, evidently like that. But it's a great place to live. Who wouldn't want to be there? And so as I read through the story of Acts, that question keeps coming back in my mind. Who wouldn't want to be a part of this body of believers? And so what I want to do is just read a couple of these verses again. And what I want to do is encourage you To listen to this and and try to dream about what kind of community this must have been like to live in. All the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had with great power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was not a needy person among them. And who wouldn't want to be a part of a community like that? That, that kind of unity, that kind of power that they were tapped into. How, how is it that you can tap into that kind of power? And I love tapping into God's power because unlike solar panels over here, solar panels are only good when the sun is shining. They do not do a lot of good at night when the sun is not shining. They didn't do a lot of good when it's stormy outside and the sun can't get down to those solar panels. But when you're tapped in to the power of God, you're tapped into access all of the time, regardless of the storms that are surrounding your life. God has an opportunity to be at work. And so what I want to do is is take a look at what made this community of believers so great. And I think there's a couple of principles that I quickly uh, want to share with you. And and the first one is that there was complete unity. And and at this time, most scholars are saying there was well over 4,000 men who were Jesus followers at this point. And it says, all of the believers were one in heart and mind which is sort of hard to imagine because you can't get two people together without disagreeing about something. <laughs> and yet all 4,000 4, plus of them were all in one heart and one mind. They're all moving in the same direction. Uh, a number of years ago, I, I ran into a business leader and he was doing this little seminar on, on getting everybody together. And, and I really liked this analogy. He threw up a picture of this. And he said, the, the big arrow is the direction of your company. And that's the mission that you have, what you're trying to accomplish. He said, the problem you run into is then you've got all kinds of different divisions within that company all going in different directions. And they're not all serving the greater goal. And that analogy really stuck with me all these years later. And I remember sitting in that seminar thinking, I think this translates to the church. I mean, we know our our mission, our, our mission go and make disciples of all nations. That is what God told us to do. And so that's easy on the big arrow. But what about the little arrows? Well, no, our, our, our job really is, is to worship. No, our, our job is to raise children. No, our job is to, to pray. No, our, our job is to go out and evangelize. No, our, our job is to go and take care of the needy in our community. No, our job is to do whatever it is that you think is really important for you to do. And you can see how quickly it is to get all those arrows going in different directions, not serving the same purpose. But what's beautiful, he said, is when you really see unity within an organization and all the arrows are moving in the same direction, you really see transformational change happen. And this is what I think we see in the book of Acts, that all their arrows were lined up. They had already settled on the what. They'd answer that question, the what is Jesus? That is the answer. And they powerfully testified about the resurrection of Jesus. And so that's all we're focused on. Everything we do is about Jesus. Now, this doesn't mean, by the way, that they didn't have any problems. I, I don't want to give that uh, illustrious um, vision of they had no issues and no problems they were facing. They had lots of issues. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about a big issue they had with some widows that weren't getting served because the Jews, Jewish widows were getting served and the Greek widows were not. And so there was some conflict that was going on they had to deal with. They still had unity because they weren't fighting about the what, they were fighting and arguing about the how. How are we going to accomplish all of this? But what does this unity do when everybody is, is unified in a direction? Well, the power of God shows up in a very unique way when everybody's going in the same direction. That's what I think made this just explode in the church early on, that they're looking at this community going, they are all about the same thing. Second thing I made this community, I think, so incredibly unique was extreme generosity. And and I love this, that there was not a needy person uh, among them because God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. Man, that is extreme generosity. He goes on to say that uh, often they would come and just sell land and property and lay the money at the apostles' feet saying, we we know you're going to be good stewards of this, so we just trust you. Do whatever you think is right with this resource. And, And it was just an incredible act of generosity that just exploded among them. I had a guy that I knew who owned a restaurant, and uh, he brought in a new head bartender. And uh, shortly after he had the head bartender, he's looking at some of his numbers, and he said, man, I got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, man, our revenue, like in our bar, is going down. I don't really know what that is about, and yet our expenses are going up. And he said, that really only means when, like, somebody is taking stuff from us. And so I said, what are you going to do? He said, well, I'll probably bring, like, some secret sauce and see what's going on behind my back that I don't know about. And he had some people coming in, and it turns out what the bartender was doing is he was giving a lot of free drinks away. And then he was uh, on drinks that people were paying for. He'd pour in extra shots, you know, into their drink. And and so finally, the the owner confronted him. He said, hey, what are you doing? He's like, well, I I just wanted uh, the people here to be happy. I thought it would be good for your business. If everybody was happy, get a free drink every once in a while and pour some more. He's like, well, the problem with that is it's not yours to give away. You don't own any of that stuff. I I own all that stuff. I have to pay for all of that stuff. He's like, oh, so you don't want me to do that. No, I don't want you to give away my stuff anymore. And and when he shared that with me, I thought, wow, isn't that the way we all should live, though? Like we're giving away stuff that doesn't belong to us? And and that's what these followers of Jesus did. None of this belongs to me. And isn't it fun to give away stuff that isn't yours? (laughs) I mean, it's fun, isn't it? You give it away, it didn't cost you a thing. I remember growing up as a kid, and we, six row from the back, the same pew my grandmother would reserve because we were always late showing up for church. And so we'd come in there, and right before the offering, my, my grandmother would pull out her little purse, and she'd hand my brother, sister, and I each a nickel. And she'd do it right before the offering because I think she knew what would happen if she gave it too early. We'd go find our way in a pocket and not into the offering plate. And, and so she would give us that nickel, and all our job was to do is take that nickel and drop it in the offering plate. And I could remember as a kid, like, oh, I feel good, I'm giving. And I'm sure, like my grandma's, no, you're not really giving. Um, I'm giving. And I'm just giving through you is really all that is. But what she was teaching me was a great principle. And I can remember then graduating to a dime. And then I still remember the day I got the quarter. Like, that was the coveted moment. Like, I have made it big time. But what I didn't realize is after the quarter, uh, Grandma sat us down and said, well, now uh, that you are getting some money for doing chores around the house, it's your job to take a portion of that and give that back to God. And so we did. I just grew up giving with that understanding that none of this is mine anyway. I'm just stewarding that. This is what was going on in the book of Acts. And I love this, that nobody thought that any of this was mine. God gave it to me, I'm just stewarding all of this. And so it's fun to give it away. And the last thing they had is just this extreme focus on on Jesus. What did they testify about? They testified about the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is what they did. This was their main focus We're not giving sermons on all kinds of different topics. We're giving our focus on Jesus. That's what we're proclaiming. That's what we're teaching, that Jesus died and he rose again week in and week out. That's what they were testifying about. And imagine in the back of their mind, the disciples were remembering a conversation that Jesus had with them as he gathered them together in one of these tender moments. And John records this in his gospel in chapter 13. He says, a new command I give you, love one another might be thinking, well, that's not really a new command, Jesus. That's an old command. I'm not done yet. Love one another as I have loved you. You've seen me do it. You've been walking with me for three years. Uh, Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, why should we do this, God? I'm telling you, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Boy, this is what you see getting played out in the book of Acts. They were so uniquely loving one another. They had never seen anything like this before. That poor people and rich people were coming together, Jews and Greeks coming together. Like, we've never seen anything like this before. There are needy people, and they're coming, and they're getting their needs met by some people who have some means of this. This is incredible. And it was so attractional for people that their numbers continued to grow because there was such unity in the house it didn't matter what background didn't matter how much you knew about Jesus didn't matter if you came from a Jewish background or not there was so much unity in the house it transformed the people living in that culture which really bodes the question at some point what well, what happened like, when did the wheels fall off this great train of unity in the house of God and the power of God miraculously displayed in this early church? What happened? It would be fun, I think, to go back in history and sort of see what happened along the way. But I'm, I'm guessing what happened is somewhere there was a missional shift that no longer was it about lifting up the name of Jesus and his death and his res- resurrection. It's like, well, now, now we got buildings, and we need to support the buildings And we need to support the infrastructure that we have, and we've got some now full-time preachers we need to support, so we need to focus on that, and and we need to do that. And now it all is getting diffused, and it's just a missional shift that that happens over time. I I consulted uh, a church one time. They were dying, uh, to just be real honest, and they knew it, and so they said, hey, can you just come and share with us and give us some insight? And so I got to know them a little bit and talk to their leaders and members, and and uh, lovely people, they, they loved Jesus, but their church was dying. And I said, is there anything we can do? And I said, I think the first thing you need to do is really be honest with what your mission is. I'm like, well, what do you think our mission is? I said, I, I think your mission right now is we're just trying to survive. Because everything you tell me and everything you've spoke about, everything you do is all about just keeping the doors open. And that's not the mission that God called us to do. And I asked them a question. I've asked a lot of churches this question. I love this one. If, if you could close the doors next week and, and just shut down, would the community care? Or would they even notice? And if the answer is no, you're not doing it right. And this is not the kind of community that God designed us to live And so we want to live in a transformative kind of way. And so how do we keep doing this? And I think Luther had a great quote that he said, I need to be reminded of the gospel every day because I forget the gospel every day. I need to be reminded that I'm sinful and I'm broken and I need the grace of God today because I forget that every day. I need to be reminded of that. And if if Luther, who 500 years ago put his life on the line for what God revealed to him in scripture, how much more do I need that daily reminder that I'm broken and sinful and I need Jesus, still need Jesus? Maybe you need to hear that reminder every single day and maybe that would help us to focus back on him as a body believers, I want to just give you quickly some inside information uh, about St. John and some of the things we very intentionally do to help live out this kind of book of Acts the way God intends the church to do. And the first one is how do we continue to have unity uh, in his house? Um, We do a couple of things. We have voters meetings, um, but we also have these future forums. And we've done about a half dozen of these since I've been here. And all we do is we take one topic and, and we wrestle with this, we pray about it, and then we bring it to the future forum and say, here's what your staff and your leaders have been wrestling and praying about, and, and here's what we think, and we want to share it with you and get your feedback. And I tell you, sometimes we get 50. We've had up to 100 people at those future forums before, depending on what topic it is. I really hope like that continues to grow. Because that's where you bring unity in the house. Let's not just make decisions. Oh, whatever you want to do, pastor, that's fine. Whatever the board decides and the elders want, that's fine. I would love to have more and more people engaged in, in a future form that way. One of the things we're adding this fall, if you get the newsletter, you, and, and you read the newsletter, um, you've already seen this one coming up this fall, is we're doing a town hall. And that's an opportunity for, uh, for Eric, who's the president of our board of directors, and Don, who's our chairman of the board of elders and me, to answer any questions that you've got we're like, we know. There's some things you probably don't know. And maybe you're going off in a different direction. And, and we want to help bring all those arrows together. And so we'll be doing that this fall as well. That's how we bring unity in the house. And about generosity, how do we do extreme generosity? Well, one of the things I'll highlight for you is helping hands. It's a wonderful thing that was started by a gentleman who had uh, some means with him. And so he made a large donation, encouraged others to do the same. So we would have funds available for anybody who had a need. And I can't tell you stories because we keep that very confidential and I can't give you names of people because frankly, I don't know a lot of the names of those people because again, we keep that very confidential. But I do know a few of them that have come and spoken to me about what an impact that made on their life. To go through a difficult season of life where they've lost a job or they had some extreme medical bills and like, I don't know if I'm gonna get my way out of this ever. And they could turn to their church and ask for help and we could say, we can do that for you. And we can write a check. We've written uh, checks for food. We've written checks for house payments before for people that were in need. And that's because a lot of you have been generous. That's how we we practice extreme generosity through helping hands. And then how do we continue to focus on Jesus? Well, that's why we came up with a mission statement that we did, connect with Jesus, uh, connect with others, and, and change the world. That we constantly come back to that so that we're not getting in different directions and going arrows in all kinds of different ways. Everything we do serves that purpose. That it's all about connecting with Jesus, connecting with others, and changing the world. So what do I really hope will happen out of this series in the book of Acts? I, I, I thought of two really main things that have been on my heart and on my mind and on my prayers Number one is, is that we would live in such a way that says, God, I, I want to see this kind of community. I want to live for this kind of community. I, I believe that you've got more for us, God, than we could ever hope or imagine. I believe there's more power that you want us to experience. And I want you to get that too. I really believe that. That's something that God just keeps impressing on me over and over in my prayers and devotion is God says, there's more, John, there is more, there is more, there is more. I want you to hear that too, that God has more for you and God has more for us as a body of believers. God has more for us. I want you to tap into that moreness. And the second thing is I really want, and hence our confession earlier about willingness. I want us to be willing to allow the spirit of God to shape us and make us more and more like Jesus. Because my fear is, is there's a lot of people who are just letter of the law kind of people. What's the bare minimum I gotta do, God, to get by that you'll still love me? Uh, How can I still live under your grace and just, just get by? Just tell me, what do I really, is this gonna be on the test, God? And I think too many people live that way. Too many people live like, I think, Calvin in the old comic strip, Calvin and Hobbes. You remember that? It was one of my favorites. And, and I love this one. This so typifies, I think, the way a lot of people live. Goodness, you're filthy. Get into the, or into the tub with you. And there's Calvin. I obey the letter of the law, if not the spirit. Uh, let's hear some water running. Oh, rats. <laughs> And I can just see Calvin because I'm like, I've been that kid before. No, I'm Mom, I did exactly what you told me to do. You knew what I wanted. I, you take a bath is what I wanted you to do, not get in the tub. That's not really what I meant by that. And my fear is, is that we've got a lot of people who live by the letter of the law and are not following the spirit of God. And the Spirit of God has so much more for us. And so often we just resist him and like, I'm just going to do what you said. and I'm going to look for a loophole. I, I want to stop that. I-, I hope we become a body of believers that we're about the Spirit of God and we're about the Spirit of your law, God. We don't want to just do the bare minimum and get by. We want to be that radical community that loves one another so well that the community takes notice. And man, I don't even know about your Jesus. I don't really care about your Jesus. But the way you guys love one another, that's attractive. I want to be a part of that. And in being a part of that, they get to know who Jesus is. Man, that's what I want to see in our community. And I I know this morning, my, my sense is that there are some people today that have been going through the motions far too long. You've been playing church. You've been doing the church thing. And you come and there's nothing changing. There's no tinge, we we sing the songs and you look around and there's some people raising their hands and crying and and you're not one of them like, I don't feel anything. And you've been so disconnected from God for far too long. We wanna pray for you today. Man, today is the day. God wants to awaken your soul and set your heart on fire today. Uh, Maybe some of you are really hurting and you're going through some serious situations in life. I know some of you are. Uh, We wanna pray for you And we want to give an opportunity to do that. I know, uh, frankly, the thing that keeps driving me, I know there are too many people dying without Jesus. And I want to reach those people. And maybe right now, God is putting somebody on your mind of somebody you know that doesn't know Jesus. Would you come up in just a moment and would you ask one of the prayer partners to pray for that person that they would come to know Jesus, that God would awaken their souls? So I'm gonna invite our prayer partners to come up here uh, up here in the front and we wanna pray over them because God hears our prayers. God answers our prayers. God does miraculous things and we wanna anoint these people. These are great people who love you. are like, well, do I really have to come up? No, you don't have to come up, uh, but you get to come up. <laughs> And you get to experience that power because God still does miracles. In fact, just this morning, um, and I heard about this, Pastor Tim was praying over Steve, I had an opportunity to do his daughter's wedding yesterday and and today he was here. And well, I'll let you tell the story. Do you mind, Steve, real quick? So I don't know what it was um, during this week, but this morning when I came to church um, to go back in rehearsal, my left hand was just absolutely killing me, primarily my thumb all here, and so I asked Pastor Tim, and Pastor Tim prayed for me, and Pastor Tim said, you know, this is like fertilizer, and you tell people this, and of course, it's not the first time that I've talked to people who said it was fertilizer, but beyond that, this was, this was an actual physical healing this morning, and so the very first song that I played this morning, there was absolutely no pain in my thumb, <laughs> so I tell you, God loves guitar players. Thank okay? <laughs> <laughs> you. Amen. Yeah, give glory to God. And God is good. And God is good. All right, let's, let's pray that God's spirit moves. In a moment, um, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And while we're singing, man, come forward. Let these people pray over you and with you god you are good you do miraculous signs and wonders you did them in the book of acts two thousand years ago and you're doing them today you did it for steve this morning how i thank you and praise you lord that your spirit is alive and you hear every cry of our heart lord i pray a special power over your prayer warriors here today that you have called that you have equipped lord i pray you pour out your spirit Uh, on them so that you might pour out through them into the hearts and lives of people who are going to come up in just a moment to be prayed for. And so hear the cries of our heart. Do miraculous signs and wonders. God, we believe you are alive. You do great things. Lord, do great things here today. Bring unity in your house. Bring healing in your house. Bring miracles in your house. Lord, awaken our souls this morning. Lord, we dedicate this time to you. Let this be holy ground. Let this be a holy time. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.